wonderful to be with you again this morning. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to lead your thoughts along things spiritual. And I hope the things that we talk about this morning will be helpful to us. You ever note any stories that had wonderful things in it, but ended up having a bad ending? We see it a lot in the sports world where someone is incredibly blessed with athletic ability. They've been very successful in their athletic pursuits. They get the big contract, everything's going their way, and then that goes to their head and they end up in some type of criminal activity and their whole career is destroyed. A story that had a great turn, but then at the end, a bad ending. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, we have one of those stories where a great blessing is bestowed, but we have a bad ending to how this story ends. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is approached by 10 lepers who ask them to heal them. And he does, and we see a bad ending as a result. In Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And it, so it was as, that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus heals these ten men of their terrible disease of leprosy. And at the end of that, only one returns to give him thanks. And Jesus asks, Where are the nine? This morning, I think we can learn important lessons from this account that will help us as we live our lives and we strive to live a life that's pleasing to God and that God is, does not have to look at us like he did those nine who were unthankful. The first lesson we learn from this story is that we need God's help. The lepers here in this story were in a terrible predicament. Leprosy was then and still remains today a terrible disease. It was worse in those days, but it is still a problem today. Leprosy is a long-term bacterial infection. It leads to damage of the nerves, the respiratory tract, skin, and the eyes. Nerve damage resulting from leprosy can remove your ability to feel pain and may lead to the loss of your extremities. There are pictures, if you look them up on the internet, of people who have hands with fingers that are eaten off and missing because of the nerve damage and the infection that can come from that and you don't realize you have an infection until it's too late and parts of your extremities fall off. It was a terrible disease in those days because there was no cure. Today you can be cured of leprosy although the treatment may last six to twelve months. 
to cure you of this terrible disease. Back then, there was no cure. And so that helps us explain why, for example, in 2 Kings chapter 5, in 2 Kings chapter 5, as Naaman is stricken with leprosy, he goes to great ex extremes to try and find a cure because there was no known cure. But he's told of one that may exist. In 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his masters. Because of it, by him the Lord had but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends... Uh, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Naaman had leprosy. It was a terrible, terrible disease. But he hears that there might be someone who could heal me in Israel. And he goes to the king of Syria, and the king of Syria says, You go. And he goes with a great treasure in hopes that he could be healed of this disease. But notice the king of Israel's response when he comes to him. He thinks the king of Syria is trying to pick a fight. He says, he's sending to me to heal him of leprosy. You can't get healed of leprosy. And he wants me to do that. He's trying to pick a fight with me. It was a terrible, terrible disease. He was willing to take, pay a great price in hopes that maybe he could be healed of this disease. And so back in our story in Luke chapter 17, when the, the, the men uh, are crying out to Jesus... They were crying out because they were in great despair and distress. They were excused. If you had leprosy, you were an outcast. So in verse 12 of chapter 17 of Luke in this story, when they called to Jesus from afar, there was a reason for that. You couldn't go around other people for fear that you would spread the disease to them. You were an outcast from society and you'd be that way potentially forever because there was no cure. They needed God's help. And today we need God's help as well. We're no different. We're no different today. We have serious challenges in our lives today, don't we? Serious challenges. Issues over which we have no control. Issues which we can't of ourselves resolve. Maybe they're physical challenges. Maybe we're struggling with certain health conditions that we have no control over. Maybe it is our job situation that we have no control over. Or family relations. World turmoil and war. There are all kinds of things in our lives physically that we have no control over. We need God's help. 
But we certainly have spiritual issues in our lives that we need help with as well, don't we? Discouragement, temptation, sin. We need God's help. This story reminds us of that. I want to tell you what else this story reminds us of is that we can ask God for help. These ten lepers were able to ask Jesus to help them with their condition, which they had no control over and could not fix themselves. And you might be thinking to yourself, you know what? It really would be nice if we had access to Jesus like they did in the first century. All they had to do is see Jesus walking by and say, Jesus, help us. Wouldn't it be nice to have access to Jesus like that today? Wouldn't it be nice if we could ask God to help us? We've got all these things in our lives which we can't help and control ourselves. Wouldn't it be nice if we could ask God for that help? Well, we can, can't we? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 says, Therefore I exhort you first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. God wants us to be making intercessions for all men. We can ask God for help. Just like those ten men could yell to Jesus, please help us. We can ask God, please help us. In 1 John chapter 5, in 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. God hears us. Just as those ten men could be sure that Jesus heard them when they yelled at Him, we can be sure that God hears us when we pray to Him. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, notice this picture of heaven. It's a wonderful picture. And it ought to be a reassuring and comforting picture for us. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, Now when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The imagery here is that of incense that is rising up to God as we pray. God hears our prayers. We can ask God for help with these problems in our lives, these challenges that we face in our lives. We can ask God for help. Before we leave this point, though, we do have to remind ourselves that this promise and this blessing is for those who are trying to live for God. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9. Notice what happens when those who are wicked pray. Proverbs 28, verse 9. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is in serving God when he prays. The person who doesn't care about God, who is interested in serving God, when he prays, it's not like that sweet incense that's rising to God. It's a stench. It's an abomination when a wicked person prays to God. And how many wicked people pray to God? Many wicked people pray to God, don't they? When they get in a bind, when they get that bad diagnosis at the doctor that something's terribly wrong with their health, oh, then they'll pray to God. They don't have any concern about God any other time. They pray to God hoping they'll hear them then. 
Proverbs 28, verse 9 says that that prayer is an abomination. God listens to those who want to serve him. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says that if we want God to hear our prayers, we need to be seeking God in our lives. We need to be doing His will. I can't thumb my nose at God and then pray to Him when things get bad. No, I need to be serving Him every day of my life, and then God will hear my prayers. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If I want God to hear my prayers... I need to be seeking Him in my life. But we can ask God for help. And when we do, we need to have confidence that God will help. This promise that God will hear our prayers if we ask Him for help is no confidence and no comfort at all unless we know that God will hear our prayers. And this account in Luke chapter 17 shows us that God will help. Even in situations that are dire, <coughs> even in situations that are serious, even like these lepers, when times are terrible, these lepers were asking for a lot, <coughs> and Jesus heard them. Look back in Luke chapter 18. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. <coughs> Luke 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, where he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming to me she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? God says this example of a widow who's coming to a king or a judge who doesn't even care about God, if she petitions him, he'll respond to her. Will God not then respond to us when we petition him? Will God not help us when we ask for his help? Jesus says he will. And we can have confidence in that. In James chapter 5, James chapter 5, look at verse 16. James chapter 5, beginning verse 16. Notice the example that throws back to the days of Elijah and his praying. And the power in his prayer. And the power that we have in our prayer as well. In, John, in James chapter 5, beginning verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produces fruit. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and God listened and answered his prayer. We can pray to God, and God will listen and answer our prayer. We have to have confidence in that. But James chapter 1, earlier in the book of James, look at verse 6. In James chapter 1, verse 6, if you pray just on the slight chance that God might hear, just maybe God will hear and I'll pray. James chapter 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything 
from the Lord. Have you ever prayed just because you thought that was what you were supposed to do? But you didn't have a lot of confidence that it would do any good? If you prayed a prayer like that, you can have confidence that it won't do any good. We've got to have faith when we pray. We've got to have faith that God will hear our prayers. God will help if we ask for it. I want to tell you, as we look at this story and important lessons for us, I think one of the important lessons that we have to get from this, this story is that when God helps us, we need to realize that he has. You still got your Bibles open there in Luke chapter 17. Look back at verse 15. Luke chapter 17, verse 15. Jesus told them to go present themselves to the priest, and they're going, in verse 15, and one of them, when he saw them, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. You know, too often I'm afraid that we go to God in prayer, and we have faith that he will answer our prayers, and he does, we never stop to realize that he answered our prayers. We just go on to the next fire or the next conflict or the next crisis. When God answers our prayers, we need to stop and realize that they've been answered. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it doesn't look like the other nine were paying much attention, does it? They were going about doing what they were doing, but they didn't stop to realize, hey, wait a minute, we've been healed. The one man realized that his request had been granted. We need to understand that. Maybe you need to stop and think about some things that you've been praying about. Maybe in the last month, you've been praying about anything that's serious? Have you been asking God for help with anything that has you concerned? Help that you need from God that you've been praying for? Has He answered those prayers? Have you stopped to consider, has God answered my prayers? David understood all that God had done in the 40th Psalm. Look at verse 1. David had been circumspect in looking at his life and realizing the work that God had done in it. In Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes his, the, trust, the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thought towards, thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order if one would declare and speak them, they are more than can be numbered. David says, God has been helping me. He took time to stop and realize that. We need to do that as well. Last week in our study in Daniel chapter 2, if you want to turn back in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2, in our 9 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings in our Bible class, we've been studying the book of Daniel. And the lessons that we learn from that and the encouragement we learn from that. In Daniel chapter 2, you remember Daniel is presented with the challenge that you need to tell Nebuchadnezzar what his dream meant. And not only do you need to tell him what his dream meant, you first have to tell him what his dream was. So that he knows you're not bluffing the response. 
And if you don't, you're going to get cut up in pieces and your house is going to get burned to an ash heap. It was serious, serious business. And so Daniel goes home and he tells Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are also known as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what's going on. And they go to God and they ask him for his help. But notice how Daniel responds when God answers their prayer. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the time and the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and now have made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Daniel, you'll remember, had asked for time from the king because this was an urgent thing. The king was ready to chop people up and burn their houses. And Daniel said, Give me some time. And he goes to pray to God, and he asks God for help, and God helps him. Now, time's of the essence. If he'd been like us, I'm afraid we would have rushed to the king and said, King, I got it. And he takes time to be mindful of that. We need to stop. We need to realize when God has answered our prayers, when God has provided us the help that we've asked for, we need to stop and realize that. The nine men apparently didn't realize that, but one man did, and he's praised by God. We need to realize when God has helped us. And furthermore, we must be thankful. How could the nine not have returned to give thanks to Jesus for healing them? Remember the condition they were in. They were social outcasts. They had a disease that couldn't be cured. They needed help, and they'd asked for it, and they had gotten it, and they didn't return to give God thanks. Isn't that amazing? You ever been in an occasion where your kids were being given presents by others? Maybe it was a birthday party or some other kind of event where kids were getting presents, and they unwrap one, and they go and start unwrapping the next one, and you have to stop them and say, no, now they'll say thank you. It's embarrassing, isn't it, for a parent to have to tell the kid to say thank you. I want to tell you it's embarrassing when adults don't thank God. God is blessing us continually. God is answering our prayers. And brethren, it's embarrassing when we don't tell Him thank you. In fact, it's sad that there has to be any instruction in the Bible for us to tell God thank you. God shouldn't have to tell us to tell him thank you. And yet over and over again in the Bible, he says, tell me thank you. Can you say thanks? Can you be thankful? 
We need to give God thanks for all the things that he gives us. In, second, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer. Well, that's what we talked about, asking God for help. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. These ideas of asking God for help and being thankful for when he gives it to us have to go hand in hand. We've got to give God thanks for all that he's done for us. In the passage that Grant read for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, again, they're put together. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks to God. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't stop praying. This is the will of God for you. God wants you to be thankful when he helps you. Now, if something God, is God's will, you'd get serious about doing it, wouldn't you? It's God's will that you not steal. It's God's will, will that you flee fornication. It's God's will that you not murder. We're all very serious about those, aren't we? Well, how about giving thanks? That's God's will. Are we thankful like we should be? And notice the benefit for us. If we will stop, and realize how God has helped us and give him thanks for it. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I don't think it's coincidental that being thankful goes along with this idea of asking for God's help in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You know, brethren, if we'll stop and realize how much God has helped us and how much he has answered our prayers, if we'll stop and realize that and be thankful for that, don't you know it's going to help us the next time that we're anxious about something and we're concerned about it? If we've realized how often and how faithful God has been in answering our prayers, the next conflict that I go to him about, if I'll do that with thanksgiving, I can have more confidence that he will help me in the future. We need to be thankful when God helps us. And finally, from the story in Luke chapter 17 of the ten lepers who were healed and only the one who returned, I want to tell you, Terry, what Jesus says. Weren't there ten people that were healed? Where are the other nine? Jesus realized that there were nine who were not thankful. And so it is with us as well. If we don't show gratitude and thanks to God, we should not believe that God will just overlook that and somehow not realize that we haven't been thankful. God realizes and recognizes when we aren't. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, we read about some terrible characters and some terrible sins they were going to be demonstrated in their lives. And the lack of gratitude is one of them, right in the middle of this terrible list of sins. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God 
having a form of godliness but denying his power, and from such people turn away. That's a nasty list, isn't it? And right in the middle, people who are unthankful. Don't think that God doesn't know. Don't think that God doesn't recognize when we fail to stop and be thankful for all the things that he's given us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, again, in that list of people that are terrible, notice what it says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. God recognizes, in real story here, to be thankful. We have a story here that could have been a wonderful story about ten lepers who were healed. But in the end, it is a sad story, isn't it? Because Jesus has to ask, where are the nine? Where are those nine people who were not thankful for the blessing they had been given? We all need God's help like those lepers did. And we can ask Him for it, just as they did. God will help us. We need to realize when He has. We need to be thankful when He has. And we need to know that God understands and realizes when we're not thankful like we should be. This morning, we have to ask ourselves, are we represented by the nine? Or are we represented by the one? Are we the thankful people that God wants us to be? Think about that leprosy, that terrible plague of leprosy that couldn't be healed. We have a terrible plague in our life, and it's called sin, isn't it? And we can't heal it ourselves. Have you been cured and play, from the plague of sin? Have you been saved from that terrible condition in your life? You can be. The Bible tells us clearly what we need to do to be saved from our sins. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 tells us we have to believe the word that we've heard. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We've got to believe. We've got to be willing to repent of our sins. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I can't keep living a life that disregards God and his will for me. I've got to repent of my sins. I've got to confess my faith in Christ as the Son of God. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I must be baptized in order to be saved from my sins. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. We're like those lepers with sin in our life. We need to be saved from that. And through God's Son, He has offered that way of salvation. Have you taken advantage of it? Or you're here this morning and you've become a Christian, but you've turned away from that. Maybe one of those ways you've turned away is just by not being thankful like God wants you to be. And if you've not been living like you should, there's no better time than right now to make correction to that. And if we can help, Please let us know while we stand and sing.